You're listening to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. If you're looking for some encouragement, words of hope, and maybe a laugh or two, that's exactly what Richard wants to share with you today. We know life can get pretty busy and complicated, so we're truly grateful you've chosen to take a break and listen to the program. Now, if you're not able to hang out with us for the entire program, you can always pick it back up at our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, you can find all of Richard's talks right there waiting just for you, richardellistalks.com. So, with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Mouth to Mouth. Let me tell you where we're going. I think a lot of times you say, well, I'm a Christian, I got saved, I'm going to heaven, and I got a family, maybe you're married, maybe you're not, or, you know, God's going to help me find a wife or a husband, and if I need a job, I'll pray, God will get me a job, and if my mom or dad or somebody in my family gets sick, we'll pray, and they'll be better, and maybe they won't, and he'll comfort us, and you've kind of got your little Christian life figured out where it's really all about you. It's all about me. It's all about my stuff. God bless me and God bless my family and me, me and Dida and Mama and Dad all. You know, we pray our little prayers and it's about me. Make my life better. And then when I die, I'll go to heaven and that's how it's supposed to work. And you say, well, maybe not completely just that. Maybe it's about some other people too. Or maybe it's even about church. Maybe I'll write a check every once in a while. I'll give a little money to support, you know, the church or the United Way. I might even go to the United, you know, that far. Or you say, well, no, it's not just that. I've given somebody at a stoplight some money to buy crack with. Or, you know, I've done something beyond. I've gone farther than that. I don't think sometimes we realize it's way more than that. If it was just about getting saved, then Jesus would have saved us. And my opinion is the millisecond I believed, he'd have beamed me out of here so fast because why would he leave anybody here? Even if he helps you with your job, even if he helps you with your family, even if he supports you and supplies everything you need, what are we doing here? You know, you don't appreciate sometimes your health till you don't feel so great. And you start walking around going, God, you know, why is it that when we're sick, we thank God for our health? But that's what happens. Well, Lord, I thank you so much for health. I take it for granted. Man, it sure is nice to feel good. I'd like to feel better. But see, it's all about me again. Help me feel better, God. Isn't that what you're supposed to do anyway? At some point, and this is where we're going today, you find Jesus coming to earth way before he died on a cross. He is showing us with his life how he wants us to live. And then he died so that even when we die, we can live because he was buried and raised from the dead. But he's trying to set an example. And he didn't, you know, you say, well, he came, but how did he come? And we know these stories. Jesus came born of a virgin. He's born in a stable. God could have picked anybody. He could have picked a Mary that was a queen's daughter, a king's daughter. And Jesus could have been born into a palace and had an easy life and been waited on like he was in heaven. And everybody would have said, absolutely, he's God in the flesh. Why not? But look how he came, like the least of anybody. And he shows us in the midst of lack and with just barely enough to live and going and living, sleeping wherever outside with his disciples, he showed us that he didn't just come to wait till he was 30, then die and everyone be sorry and be buried and raised from the dead. He showed us how to live, then he died in our place. And I think sometimes we don't like what he showed us when he showed us how to live. And I'll give you a few examples here. One of them is in Luke chapter 5. And it's an extreme one, I guess you could say, but 
He's called some of his disciples in verse 12, jump into verse 12 of Luke chapter 5. And it happened when he was in a certain city that behold, a man who was full of leprosy saw Jesus. And he fell on his face and implored him saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, first of all, let me remind you that lepers, if you think somebody with AIDS is not attractive today, people with leprosy back then, they literally had to walk around with a hand, you know, they were covered up anyway because their bodies were disfigured usually. They'd have a hand over their mouth and walk around and say, unclean, unclean, and the crowd would part. Man, when the lepers came through, people got out of the way. They didn't want to have anything to do with a leper. And then verse 13, this astonishing, these little phrases, and I'm telling you, slow down when you read your Bible. This leper said, if you can make me clean, you can heal me. Verse 13, then he put out his hand and he touched him. The power of a clean man, and as it turns out, the God of the universe reaching out and touching a leper who was never touched probably by anybody but other lepers, maybe his own family that was willing to risk getting contaminated with leprosy. But Jesus just, you know he could have spoken and look what the leper says. Again, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. All you gotta do is say something even. Jesus could have spoken and said, well, you know you got leprosy and everything and in case this doesn't go well, you know, you're not healed yet. So if I touch you before you're healed, I could get it. There's none of this mess. Jesus crosses all kind of lines, reaches out, touches this guy and spoke and said, I am willing be cleansed. Immediately the leprosy left him and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. However, the report went around concerning him all the more and great multitudes came together to hear and to be healed by him of their infirmities. Now I'll tell you straight up, here's my frustration. Why can't I do that? What's up with this deal? And we all kind of dance around it and make excuses and say, well, that was Jesus and that was back then. And then somebody will quote, well, even greater things you'll do. So, okay, you believe all that. Then reach your hand out, grab a leper and say, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, be healed. Why can't we do that? Because we can't do that. Now, do you take a shot at it even sometimes? Now, this is kind of where I'm headed a little bit in terms of stepping outside the box. You say, well, what if I pray and nothing happens? You can't heal them anyway, so what? You say, Father, I'm willing. I'm willing to ask for whatever you tell me to ask in Jesus' name. And if it's about praying for the sick, I'm going to at least take a shot at this and believe that you are capable. And if it doesn't happen, that's your problem, not mine anyway. But you know what? Sometimes the very prayer for someone who is sick makes such an impact on them, they'll listen about your Jesus. And we are so terrified to pray and get involved. You, if you are going to stay on the planet and accomplish what God left you to do here, you're going to have to step out. You're going to have to touch somebody who's not clean. You're going to have to get involved in people's lives and do some uncomfortable things. Jesus crossed every line when he touched this leper. Go to Luke chapter 10. It's interesting to me that even the religious people who come to Jesus, they're looking for ways to trick him. And really, even if they want an answer, they're looking for the easy way out. What is the least that I can do to get in with you and to get into heaven and to see the kingdom of heaven? So this lawyer, and this is the story of the Good Samaritan, but don't write it off to read it again. A certain lawyer, verse 25, Luke 10, 25. Behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Great question. A lot of people have these. 
He said to him, what is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered rightly. Do this and you will live. The guy should have shut up then. You got your answer. Walk away. But look at this. The guy's not happy with the answer because his heart's not right. So he answered and said, you'll love the Lord your God. You've answered right. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Just dug himself a hole to get pushed into. Jesus says, Okay, that's your problem. You're trying to figure out who your neighbor is, who you're supposed to be nice to and love on. Love your neighbor as yourself. I'll tell you who your neighbor is. And he goes into this story, verse 30, and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Oh my gosh, what a terrible thing to happen. This is onlooker traffic, by the way, what I'm getting at right here. Oh, he looks like he's in a lot of pain. I'd pick him up, but I don't want to stain my leather seats or whatever your deal is. Likewise, a Levite, another religious guy, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. This guy has compassion, so he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Let me tell you something. If you choose to live the Christian life, it isn't just about going to heaven. You're going to have to cross some lines. You're going to be in some uncomfortable places. You're going to have to do something, not just say something. It's about being doers of the word. It's about acting. It's about being a servant. It's about getting involved in people's lives. Go to uh, Luke chapter 6. Go back a few pages. In Luke chapter 6, verse 39 and following, It's talking about Jesus, and he spoke a parable to them. Can the blind lead the blind? Will they not both fall into the ditch? A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Okay, now what's the context here about blind people leading blind people? They'll both fall in the ditch. A disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Who is our teacher? It's Jesus. And if we are following Jesus, then the people who are following us will end up getting what Jesus was and what he did, what he said, and how he lived, because we're living the same way, and we're passing this on. One of the problems in churches, I'm afraid, is that preachers are to blame. Preachers are somebody Elders are somebody. Deacons are somebody in the church. Forget calling them deacons. They're not serving anybody. They want to be served. And so we have set this role model that to be in a church, you're trying to get a position. You're trying to become somebody in the church to have authority and position and and control over some things. Where are you going to get that in the Bible? This is about serving people. 
This is about getting down on your hands and knees and washing feet and living that way and setting that example and teaching people who come into the faith that it is not about being served, it is about serving. And when new Christians come in, it is our job to serve them and to help them get up on their feet and to demonstrate to them what the Christian life is all about so that they will emulate and duplicate what we're doing. And the problem in a lot of churches is they're multiplying exactly what they see. And everybody's clawing for some position in the church instead of being willing to serve. So look at what he goes on to say here. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not perceive the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, brother, let me remove the speck that is in your eye when you yourself do not see the plank that is in your own eye? Hypocrite. Now, we stop there and say, oh, that's right, hypocrite. So I don't want to be a hypocrite, so I got my own problems, and I don't want to be going around pointing out other people's problems because I'll be judgmental and be a hypocrite, so I'm just going to not say anything. The Bible doesn't say to do that. The Bible doesn't say don't get the speck out of your brother's eye. Keep reading after the word hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. We are in the speck removing business. And if you are not removing specks from your brother's eye because you're a hypocrite, then stop being a hypocrite. And how do you stop being a hypocrite? Stop living in sin. Stop making it all about me, 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 me all the time. And saying, well, woe is me. I can't do this by myself, and I can't do this literally if I've got my own stuff going on because the devil then says to me like he does to you, well, you can't help anybody. You're such a screw-up. How are you going to help them? So you see a speck in a brother's eye, and you genuinely have compassion, and you want to help them, but your own sin, your own hypocrisy that would be churned up by you saying something shuts you up, so you are rendered, we are rendered useless we're neutralized. We can't help anybody. And you know what? People need help. Let me tell you something. I need help. I need help helping people. And if we are a church, if we're a body of believers who we look at each other and we're, we'll get to this in a minute, from a spiritual perspective, not judging, not, not being critical of somebody, but we genuinely, out of a heart of concern, look at somebody and say, man, I've been praying for you. I've been praying and fasting for you. I have wept over this before I talked to you about it. But I see something in your life that is destroying your life, and it's hurting me to see it hurt you. That's completely different than just wagging a finger and judging somebody. But part of why we are left here is to help other people, and the only way we're going to make it is to help each other. So again, that last verse there we read, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck that is in your brother's eye. Go to Galatians chapter 6, and let's look at verse 1. Brethren, brethren, when you see that word, meaning he's writing to Christians, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, and the picture here of overtaken is not someone running to sin, but genuinely trying to get away from sin, but the sin is faster than you are, and it catches you, okay? You think, well, how does that happen? It happens. You're trying to live the Christian life. You're trying to get away. You're not used to, you don't know how to escape. You didn't run fast enough, quick enough, get away from it. And you just get swallowed by it. And somehow you're like, you succumb again. And there you are. So brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are what? Spiritual. That doesn't mean, oh, I'm in a yoga class. I can help you. Okay. Spiritual. 
is not that you meditate and when there's an eclipse, you go outside and, and think about that. Spiritual means godly, means righteous, means you're walking and talking with God, and you have enough discernment to run your own life, get the planks out of your own life before you go pulling specks out of somebody else's. So the caveat here is you who are spiritual do what? Restore. And the word here for restore is a word used in secular Greek for setting broken bones and in the New Testament for mending fishing nets. If I'm a doctor and you come to me and say, I've broken my arm, and we x-ray and go, absolutely, it's broken, it's just a clean break. You say, well, I need your help because it's hurting and I need you to do something to make you feel better. So what does a doctor do? Okay, well, it's broken, here we go. And the doctor grabs your arm and he puts you in more pain. He sets the bone, right? Because if he doesn't grab those two bones and set them and wrap them and put them in a cast, he could say, well, you know what? I really need to set the bone, but it looks like it's going to hurt you, so I probably won't do that, okay? Oh, thank you, doc. That's a lot better. Just put it in a cast. And then you come out with your arm, you know, cocked, and you want, you're mad at the doctor. Why don't you do your job? Because if I do my job, you're going to experience a little more pain at the moment for me to set it. We've got to get past this thing. If you're going to get right with God, it's going to be painful. Why is it that when the Holy Spirit taps me and touches me and says, Richard, you can't do this anymore, that I don't weep anymore for my sin much? Where's the brokenness? Where's the repentance? Where's the weeping for our sin? We don't even care anymore. And God comes along and says, look, either I'm going to do it or I'm going to send somebody and I'm going to set this bone and it's going to hurt even more than the break. But I care about you and I'm going to go to the trouble to restore you. And if this is what it takes, this is what we're going to do. You say, oh, but this hurts. It's going to hurt a whole lot more if you don't get it fixed. Now, my job, and it's not my job. My job, the elder's job in a church, the leadership in a church's job is to equip the saints to do what? The work of the ministry. What is the work of the ministry? It's not everybody calling me and saying, oh, I need to come by and talk to you. That's your job. It is your job, your work in your small group, wherever you are to say, Father, I'm here. I'm checking in this morning. I'm alive. You woke me up again. I'm going to die and go to heaven, but I guess I'm not dead. So we got to do something today. I am available. If there is sin in my life, I'm confessing it. I don't want to miss out on today. I know you have left me here for a reason. God, make me usable. God, use me. Take me through this day and help me to be sensitive and aware and see if people are hurting and be a restorer. Now, some people are just busybodies, and I have to throw this out here for the sake of. This is a spiritual person restoring people, not just a busybody going, oh, you know, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, you know, throw Jesus' name on something, you can do anything, and getting your hands in somebody's business that you don't belong there, because you'll do more damage. Someone who is spiritual, who knows what they're doing, setting a bone, can help someone. Someone who doesn't say, well, you know, I'm not really a doctor, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night. Let me help you. You know, that's not what we're talking about. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Gentleness. Coming to the person and saying, look, man, I've been where you are. 
I had a situation recently where a guy was struggling with something, and I knew a guy who still struggles, but has got tons of victory in that same area. And I said, look, I'm going to encourage you to talk to this guy, and he'll talk to you, and, and let's see what comes of that. Part of my just kind of awareness and just knowing what will happen is that this guy is not going to judge the guy I'm sending to him because he's been there. Someone was gentle with him. I know how he's going to set that bone, and I'm safe in sending that person. You ought to be one of the people that the leadership in a church sends someone to. And my question is, if you are not, why not? Someone calls the office, and there's no time for me. There's no time for the elders. There's no way I can see anybody else. And I say, you know what? I got just the person. I know they're walking with God. They're talking with God. They're available to God. And if I call them, man, they're going to do you so much more good than me because I haven't been where you are, and, and I can't get to everybody anyway. So I'll tell you what. This guy's going to call you. And the person I call is thrilled. You're going, oh my gosh, I get an opportunity to help somebody. Thank you so much. Not, oh gosh, it's him again. You got caller ID and the preacher's calling. Don't answer it. Don't answer it. He'll want me to serve for, oh my God. What makes a body work is that we are multiplying ministers. We got a church full of people who are getting out of the way, getting the planks out of their eyes so that they can see more clearly to remove the specks. So that when a brother goes down, you are there. Don't be calling the church. Do your job. Set the bone. Gently be there for the person. And the last thing he adds to that is considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Be careful going in, because when you start talking to people about their stuff and hear about their struggles, sometimes the undercurrent, the undertow can suck you in, and before you know it, in helping them, you're back in some old sin yourself. So pay attention, be careful. I looked up the definition for mouth-to-mouth, -mouth, and it's either mouth-to-mouth -mouth or mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation, and out of nowhere, and I, you know, I love words, I love all the way all these things come together. And listen to the definition. Mouth-to-mouth -mouth is defined as a revival method. It's a way to revive somebody. It's a revival method, a method of reviving somebody who is not breathing in which the rescuer places his or her mouth over the mouth of the person not breathing and inflates the lungs with air. You know what? If you're trained in CPR, there is a difference in breathing on somebody and breathing in somebody. And we as Christians are willing to breathe hot air on all kind of people. But if you are willing to say, God, you know what? I've prepared myself. I have been trained. I am willing. I am here. And you get in a crowd and somebody goes down you say, I know what to do, but you're going to have to make contact. You're going to have to risk all kind of germs and junk to save a life, to revive a person. And when it comes to spiritual mouth-to-mouth -mouth resuscitation, the same things apply. You are going to have to get involved in somebody's life, in their stuff, in loving them and caring about them and listening to them and being patient with them and helping them get back up on their feet and they are restored. Something that's broken is restored, but it's going to take some personal contact, involvement, time, inconvenience, all these things that Jesus modeled. You're going to have to touch somebody that otherwise you would never have touched. You say, well, I didn't sign up for that. Then good luck with your life because you are existing and you will never experience the joy of seeing someone who appears to be literally dead in their spiritual life, their chest rise again, their heart begin to beat again, and they say, I'm going to make it. 
I didn't have, I've lost my own breath. I needed somebody to come along and breathe something into me to help me get going again. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Now, till we die or Jesus comes back, as long as there's a church, we ought to be giving CPR mouth-to-mouth to each other all the time. And you say, well, I don't want that. You know, I'm looking for a church where the music's good and the preaching's good and where getting out on time is good and where people are nice and, and I write my check and you leave me alone. Keep looking. You haven't found it yet. Don't be stopping here. If you're not interested in giving mouth to mouth to somebody somewhere, this isn't your place. This is supposed to be a family. This is supposed to be a rescue station where people who come in can get life and those of us who claim to have life have somebody around us to care enough to say, hey, it's killing me that you're getting killed. I can't sit by anymore. I'll do whatever I gotta do, but I'm not gonna watch you go down. Not on my watch. Thanks for tuning in today to Richard Ellis Talks. With the busy schedule everyone has these days, it means the world to us that you would take this time to listen. Let us know how it has touched your heart by calling us at 855-6-RICHARD. You can also connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. One last thing, Richard Ellis Talks is a daily program, but also has daily costs. And being a listener-supported program means we rely on the financial partnership of our listeners, which means you. Maybe you've given to this ministry before or have waited for the right time. Well, we believe that these talks with Richard are making a difference in your life. So this is how you can make a difference to ours. You can contribute by giving us a call at 855-6-RICHARD or at our website, richardellistalks.com. Thank you for your very generous gifts. It truly means so much to us. God bless and thanks for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.